If you're hustling in the trenches to build a business or bootstrapping one of your own, let's talk about an AI-powered tool that can lighten up your workload. HubSpot's Campaign Assistant is a game changer for creating marketing campaigns at scale. It quickly turns your key selling points into a cohesive pitch, which helps you deliver knockout emails, ads, and landing pages in minutes. Just choose your content type, input a few key points, pick a tone like friendly or witty, and let the AI robots handle the rest. You can copy and paste the content to whatever channel you'd like, or even convert it directly into publishable campaigns without leaving your HubSpot interface. So let Campaign Assistant take care of the campaigns so you can get back to growing your business. Work smarter, not harder at HubSpot.com slash campaign dash assistant. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey friends, hey, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here back with another awesome guest. And today in the guest chair, we have Don Kelly, the CEO and founder of The Nourish Spot. A graduate of Howard University, Don's 30 plus year public and media relations career promoting campaigns and companies has taken her all around the world. Dawn calls herself an accidental but divine entrepreneur, as she expected to work for some big company until retirement. Some would say God had other plans. Dawn's life changed in September 2015 when a new boss eliminated her role. Relying upon her determination, faith, and own resources, Dawn is now a courageous entrepreneur. In March 2016, she and her young adult children, Owen and Jade, made the business decision to establish an S-Corp to provide healthier beverage and food options in the food desert of Southeast Queens through what's now known as the Nourish Spot Inc. After her three-decade-long corporate and nonprofit career, Dawn is now the CEO of the Nourish Spot Inc., and it is a family-owned, quick-serve, healthy food smoothie and natural juice bar located on the iconic Guy R. Brewer Boulevard in Jamaica, Queens, NYC. In today's episode, Dawn shares what it took to get here, how she funded her business when revenue was slow. And you'll also learn about the investment she makes in her own business education and network development to allow the Nourish Bot to grow and thrive. Let's get right into it. Okay, Don, welcome, welcome to the guest chair. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You know the saying, remember the days when you prayed for? Well, today is one of those days. And I think I'm you. so honored to hear that. I thank you. I still can't believe I get to do this and that people are honored to be in this guest chair. I remember when I started this show in my living room. So I thank you. I thank you. So, all right, guys, enough mushy stuff. <laughs> We're going to jump right into it. So, Don, you're incredible. I read your bio before, so they have heard all about what you're up to. But I'd love to know a little bit more about your journey into entrepreneurship in your words. I mean, it's very unique. You were thinking you were going to be in corporate forever. And then what happened? Well, I would consider myself a divine entrepreneur. In September of 2015, after working about 30 years 
um, in the public relations and marketing area. My last role as department vice president of global communications was eliminated at a major financial services firm. And that really threw my world into Mm. crisis because honestly, I had not thought about what would be my next act at the age of 52. I was 52 years old. And I actually thought that I would retire from that job and then, you know, go off and, you know, travel and see the world. Right. But um, retirement came early and I wasn't necessarily ready to retire. And so I had to, once I got over my grief, I had to figure out what I wanted to do next with my life and what kind of positive impact I wanted to make with the rest of my life. And jumping into entrepreneurship was the thing for me. I initially uh, tried to start a PR firm with a friend, but people weren't trying to pay. And Ah, (laughs) speak on it. Yes. And I wasn't interested in really, um, you know, negotiating too much of my worth. Um, I know what I bring to the table and the years of experience and the awards and accolades that I had won um, during my 30 year career. And so I wasn't really ready to negotiate. So I jumped into something entirely different, um, becoming an entrepreneur of a food and beverage brand. Um, But it's still aligned with my life because I was on my own health journey at that time. So that's how it all started. Yes, yes. You touched on a few things. It's interesting you use the word grief. I don't think I have heard that before, but it is such a it is a grieving process when you shift gears, right? Grieving who you were and what you thought your life would be. And I, I just find it interesting that you use that word. What was it about that process for you that you had to grieve? Well, the first thing was I had never in my life lost a job. Um, I mm. never had been unemployed, um, you know, by the hand of someone else. Um, So I had to get used to that. Like that was like shell shock for me. And so because I'm an overachiever, I went to college when I was 16. You know, the job that I had, I was department vice president of global communications. I was traveling all over the world, promoting people, places and things. I mean, I loved what I did. So to Mm -hmm. have that snatched away in an instant, it was, I grieved. I went home and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried until I couldn't cry anymore. And so, you know, I'm really happy that today I can say Mm -hmm. to you with a smile that the grieving process worked. It was, I needed it, right? I also needed the rest, right? And so, because um, being in a job for 16 years consecutively, um, that was a lot, right? And I guess Mm -hmm. I didn't even really um, notice how much, how exhausted I was. So it probably was a mixture of. Ex- so what were the first steps you took to get started with the Nourish Spot? I guess the first steps was deciding upon what it was that I was going to do after deciding that the PR firm wasn't going to wasn't going to be it for now. Right. So um, what happened was actually I was home one day watching TV because PR people love the news. And I was watching (laughs) CNN, which was my favorite channel at that time. And Mm -hmm. 
a story came on about Styles P, the um, rapper who opened yes. Juices for Life in Yonkers. And I yep. was really intrigued, right? I was really intrigued by the fact that one, he had decided to jump into something like that. And then two, you know, I'm a healthy eater. I've always really been a healthy eater. My life, my parents always made sure we ate fruits and vegetables, like eggplants, stuff that I never really thought that I would eat, but been eating them my mm-hmm. whole life. And so I was like, maybe I can do that. And I was on my own health journey at the time because you know, being in corporate America, you know, I was socially drinking, eating late and honestly right. not following a good diet. You know, mm-hmm. I love bagels. I'm a New Yorker. So I love bagels <laughs> and I love carbonated soda. And so, yeah. you know, my weight took a toll over those years and I found myself wearing a size 16 and I'm short. And so my body couldn't take it. My ankles couldn't take it. And my doctors were threatening me with all kind of medicine. And so it all just kind of aligned together. And mm-hmm. one day I found myself in Panera uh, trying to customize a salad and they wouldn't let me. And I would oh. tell you right then and there, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I think <laughs> I'm going to start my own juice bar. And mm-hmm. That's really what started it. I started praying and asking God, you know, my faith is very important to me. I started praying and asking God for guidance, right? Because, you know, I've been an employee my whole life. And so, you know, opening up a business was like a really great giant step. Okay. And so I started praying and asking for guidance and, you know, God didn't fail me. He gave me ideas of where I could establish it. And then, you know, when you go to college, you know how to look for stuff, right? So then I just started looking for training, right? I started looking for programs that would teach me about running my own business. And that, that was what solidified I was going to do this because I realized- I love that. I could find the training um, to give me all of the information that I needed in order to run a business. Yes. And you can find a training on almost anything, even when you think, oh, no one else has done this. No, there's a training that can help you. So I love that you mentioned that. And also, did you invest in these? Were they free or did you have to put up some money to do some of this? Well, the first class I took, and I would tell, let me just back up a little bit. I would tell you that yeah. one of the, my favorite sayings that I always say to a mentees, um, even when I was in corporate America and now as an entrepreneur, is you have to be willing to invest in yourself, right? Because not Absolutely. always, not always will corporations invest in the things you want. So you need to put your dollars and cents, right? And yep. I mean cents, C-E-N-T-S and S-E-N-S-E, right? You need to put that on for yourself. And so the first class I took was just $100. Um, it was with the Queens Economic Development Corporation because I'm from Jamaica, Queens, New York. And I took that class and it was called like Business Fundamentals 101. And I would tell mm-hmm. you, it was just enough to make me dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and how were you dangerous after that? What, what did you do next? Well, I started learning about like different things like a balance mm-hmm. sheet, profit and loss, oh, okay. right? Um I knew I needed a budget. I found out that I needed to have a lawyer and accountant. Like these are things I did not know, right? Mm -hmm. Um, All I knew is that I was hell bent on creating something new for me and my children. I'm a single parent. Mm -hmm. I was raising two children. And so I wanted to make sure that I was leaving behind some generational wealth or at least some generational knowledge, right? And so 
I paid that $100 and, you know, I took that class, which was about eight weeks. And, you know, one of the things I really loved about that class is they sent us out on the street, right? To ask questions of just like general, you know, uh, people what in the street. Questions? Um, questions about, um, because I wanted to open a juice bar, ask them about, you know, do they eat healthy? What's their favorite vegetable? Would they pay $5, okay. $10 um, for a smoothie, right? Customer so I, research, got yes, it. Yes, yes. So Good. I went out and that kind of emboldened me, right? Because that where I took the class was not in the neighborhood where I was establishing the mm. juice bar, right? Because I was establishing right. the juice bar in my neighborhood, where my family enjoys an 81 year history. So Ooh. it just gave me the confidence, right? And the chutzpah that if I <laughs> needed to do research in my community, I could do it because now I was yes. doing it with strangers that didn't even know me. And so that was the thing that got me started. And then I got into my neighborhood and I started asking my neighbors and people I knew in the community. I had my children ask their friends and people were interested. People were telling me that they were going all the way to Harlem from Queens to find, um, you know, smoothies and wheatgrass oh, wow. and turmeric. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the solution to that challenge, right? You yes. will no longer have to go to Harlem, two boroughs away, right? To get what you need. We're going to provide what you need right here in our community. That is amazing. I love doing consumer research because you find out so much. And what's great about the approach that this class took is it made it less intimidating. Sometimes we think we need this whole Excel spreadsheet. No, just go out and talk to people. They may not be your ideal customer, but just getting into that rhythm gives you the confidence and it triggers thoughts like, oh, wait, I didn't think if they would have that follow-up question or, yes. wow, you're going to Harlem? I didn't even think about that. So... I love that. You guys just start talking to people with my podcast too. Before I launched it, I got on the phone with people and I just started asking them questions like, would you listen to this? So I can totally relate. Now, Don, so you were unemployed. So I'm interested. Were you doing anything else for money or were you at that time living like, okay, I'm just going to take some time live off my savings or unemployment while I figure this out? Or were you still looking for another job or working somewhere else? No, actually, um, at this particular time, I was not working at all. Um, okay. You know, I had been laid off. And so um, I just was relying on my severance package and money that mm -hmm. I had saved away. And um, I was being very ginger, you know, very, very thoughtful about yes. how I spent my coins. <laughs> okay, um, okay. But one thing I would say is in my role at Prudential, one of the last projects I was engaged in with my team was a survey about African-American financial experiences and behavior. And yes. in that research, we learned just how much behind the eight ball um, most African-Americans were in terms of the racial wealth gap and the reasons why. And one of them was about generational wealth, creating generational wealth. Another one was about the lack of entrepreneurs mm -hmm. um, in small businesses in the Black community. Yes. And yes. so the research from that survey, it really stuck with me, okay? Especially, as I mentioned, I'm a mom. You know, I have two children. I mean, they're young adults now, but still, it made me think, like, what am I doing, right? I had set up, of course, you know, I have a house. You know, yeah, I could leave that to my two children, but would that be enough? 
And so right. um, I thought, if anything, we could open the business together. And, you know, there's another saying about you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Sure. Right. Yep. So I just wanted to at least lead my children to the business. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, they would take advantage of it and engage in it if it was something that they agreed with. And luckily for me, my children, Owen and Jay Duncan, they've been instrumental in um, running the business. My daughter more so um, because she's a chef by trade. And so she and I work hand in hand to run the business each and every day. And I'm proud of that um, because now I feel like what I learned in that survey, I'm actually walking in it right? I'm walking the talk. And so um, we're out here in these streets um, making people happier. Yes. Yes. And and creating generational wealth together. Right. And what you said about leading the horse to water is very key. It's very important because sometimes when people have this idea of generational wealth, they're making decisions for their kids. They don't give their kids any input and they're like, oh, I'm going to leave this to them. It's generational wealth. I'm going to, I put this in their name, this business in their name. Now they're set. Well, actually, what if they don't want to do that, right? What if they don't want that business? What happens when you involve them in the whole process? They now know how to run a business. Yes. They now know how to do this again somewhere else. So if, you know, it takes a different shape when it's just them, that's okay. But they now have these skills. They weren't just handed something with no idea what goes into it. Exactly. And I would tell you that um, my daughter has helped me from the get-go. So, you know, getting on legal Zoom, coming up with a name, doing trademarks, yes. working with an attorney, developing a menu. Like, we really work together hand in hand. I'm assured yes. that if I had to walk away today that she couldn't keep the business going. That's an amazing feeling. But talk to us a little about this legal Zoom. I started out that way too, and it could be controversial, but listen, it gets you started. So it, it does. It does. How did you come up with the name and do those initial first steps of, you know, trademarking and all of that good stuff? So as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I really know how to do is research assistance, getting help. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. So um the first thing we did, we did go on legal Zoom and um, start the process, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it may, it's easy. It's right at your fingertips at right. the, using the computer. But before we hit the button and signed anything, mm-hmm. I went off to SCORE, um, which is mm-hmm. part of the SBA. Um, and I think yes. it's like um, retired executives. I don't know the whole what the whole SCORE means. Right. But I went to SCORE and I actually sat down with that paperwork with two advisors mm-hmm. and had them, um, you know, walk me through uh, good decisions, you know, not so good decisions. And they actually <laughs> suggested some great things that I changed before we hit sing, um, to mm-hmm. go to legal zoom. So after we got the initial paperwork through legal zoom, that's when I hired an attorney because by this okay. time I was in another class, um, with Interise. It was called Streetwise MBA. And now okay. this class, I did not have to pay anything except mm-hmm. time and effort. Okay. Right? Because sometimes it's not money that you have to give. You have to give your time and your effort. And so I won't lie, um, that class was very taxing. And okay. we were now in business. And so 
you know, a couple of times, I won't lie, I thought about quitting because I was like, you know what? I'm in the business and, you know, this class is taking extra time away and it's taxing Mm -hmm. my brain and I'm not sure Mm -hmm. I can do it all. But I'm not It's hard to be in the work and also be learning. It it really is. It's true. But um, I'm not a quitter. You know how Beyonce say a winner. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Winners don't quit (laughs) on themselves. (laughs) No. No. So I just buckled down and I completed the class. And now I was, you know, way ahead of some of my peers. Um, in terms of knowing how to run a business and, mm-hmm. you know, pricing was changing, you know, all kinds of things, finding sustainable goods, right? Yes. Just learning, learning all types of different things um, that will positively impact the business and the community at the same time. So okay. that's really how the business began to grow and expand. Mm-hmm. When it first started, it was just me, right? Because, you know, right. we, were st- we were new. And it was just me, you know, greeting the customers, making the smoothies, making the juice. But then all of a sudden, because I did PR forever, I started promoting the business. And you publicist. I love yes, it. And Those skills come in handy. All of a sudden, people were coming from everywhere. And mm-hmm. I needed to find staff. And so Mm -hmm. I reached out to my daughter because she, both my children were still working at this time. And so I reached out to my daughter and was like, oh my God, we have too many customers. I can't do it all myself. What are we going to do? And because she is a trained chef, she graduated from Johnson and Wales University. She said, oh, I know what to do, mommy. Don't worry. And she reached out to all of the area high schools and Mm -hmm. all of New York City's uh, culinary programs. And we established our own internship training program. What? Uh, Yes. That is so brilliant. Yeah. Love it. And so now um, we pretty much have our own talent pipeline because we get these interns from the area schools and area nonprofits. Mm -hmm. They come in usually as 10th and 11th graders. And once they finish their six to eight week internship, either they ask us or we ask them if they're interested in staying on board. And I would tell you that we don't have a retention problem at the nourish spot because our talent pipeline is full of former interns that have decided that they want to work for us. And so our lead manager right now, who's running my store Mm -hmm. right now while I'm talking to you, he started with us as a 10th grader. His name is Denzel. And now Uh he is my lead manager and he's a graduate of college. So I'm really proud of that as well. That is brilliant. And I know that is going to be an idea that people are going to listen to this episode and go ahead and steal that because that is so smart. And um, it was really interesting to hear your background and how you got started and the steps that you took. I love how much you went after programs and knowledge and said, I'm going to do I always emphasize just-in-time learning. Don't just get the knowledge. So you're getting the knowledge and you're immediately doing. You're doing and you're learning and putting it into action right away. How long was this process for you from getting the idea to actually opening your doors? Um, I would say it took about a year and a half, much longer than I thought. And I I would tell you that the reason why um, was about, was because of my contractor. I had the worst Uh. contractor. 
Does anyone ever find a really good contractor? I just... <laughs> That is I don't a common so. refrain. Yeah, wow. I, I don't think so. I mean, how I was it getting the location? Was that hard? Like getting actual space in New York and Queens? That was divine. Let me tell you how that mm. happened. So again, I told you, I went my faith on my sleeve. I was praying yes. one day and I, once God said to me, oh, you can have this juice bar. I'm like, well, where is it? That's kind of <laughs> how I talk with my God. It's like, well, yeah. you, you told me I, I can have this or so where is it? And um, I was led outside um, in my community to our major thoroughfare. It's called mm-hmm. Guy Arbor Boulevard, formerly known okay. as New York Boulevard. And okay. this is going to sound crazy, but, you know, it's the truth. You know, I was told to go out on Guy Arbor and look up. And so I did. I went out on Garbrewer. I looked up to the left and saw nothing and started to think I was crazy and hearing Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. But I was with my daughter and she said, mommy, like, you got to look left and right. Like, don't get down yet. Right. Uh Look right. Because remember, I was coming out of a grief process. So, you know, Mm -hmm. she was treating me with kid gloves. Mm -hmm. And so I looked over to the right, Nick. And I saw it. There was an awning across the street mm-hmm. from where I was standing. And it said D.K. Upholstery. My name is Dawn Kelly. Wow. And my business is in that place. And we have been there now seven years. Wow. Did you see a for sale sign or did you go in a... <laughs> I convinced them. So what happened was the the gate was down, right? The gate Mm -hmm. was down and that sign was up. And so every day I would go because it's in my community. So every day I would go around the corner, try to see if the gate was up or anything. And like it wasn't. And one day I was in a friend's car and we were crossing the boulevard, right? You know, going from one side to the other side because you're in New York. You know what I mean? Yep. And I happened to look out the window and I saw that gate was up. No lie. Scouts honor. I jumped out the car. (laughs) I know you did. I'm picturing it now. Yep. (laughs) I left the door wide open. I jumped out the car. I ran over to the door. Oh my God. I said to the gentleman who was looking at me like I was crazy. And I said to him, sir, I said, yes. this this is my place. I said, this, <laughs> I, 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 I have to rent this place. Oh, you know, are you the owner? Are you the owner? And I, he was like, ma'am, like, ma'am, calm down. Back up. <laughs> he was like, um, I'm not the owner. I'm a workman. Um, I was hired to fix this place up because, yes, mm-hmm. the owner does want to rent it. He's like, and I think he might be right now working on renting it. And I was like, oh, no, he's not. I said, oh, no, he's not. This is my place. I said, um, can you please give me his name and number? And sure enough, he did. He gave me the man's name and number. I contacted the landlord, a black man. Okay, black yeah. man, but kind of a gruff guy. And he pretty much told me to reach out to his um, real estate company, Okay, which I did, another young black man. So all this is lovely to me because, you know, I'm, a, I'm an African-American studies major from Howard. So that's like lovely, all these black people, right? So yep, yep. I go meet this young man at his mm-hmm. office, his real estate office, and I fill out all the papers. And this is one of the most funniest episodes in my journey. 
So I fill out all the papers and he takes the papers and goes in some office and then he comes back to me and he's uh-huh. like, um, Miss Kelly. And I said, yes. He's like, I'm not sure we're going to be able to rent to you. And I said, why? He's like, you don't work. <laughs> he was like, this is the first time in a long time anyone has come yeah. here and tried to rent something and they don't have a, you know, recurring paycheck. Right. And I said, well, I'm retired. And he said, well, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't look, you don't, I'm sorry, but you don't look like, and I said, well, that's not up to you. All I need to know is how much the rent is every month mm-hmm. and will the landlord rent to me? And I was very clear. I said, I have money just like that. And he said, okay. He said, I can't promise you, but I'm going to share it with the landlord. So you know how us sisters do. Once he told me how much that was going to be, I went straight to the bank and I got a cashier's check for three months. And when that young man called me and said the landlord wanted to meet me, I walked over to meet the landlord in the space with the check in my back pocket. When I walked in, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. When I walked in, this older gentleman said to me, you know, hi, you know, what do you want to put here? I told him I want to make this a food and beverage haven. He said, you don't work just like that. He said, not not again, (laughs) not this again. Yep. Girl, I reached into my pocket. I pulled out that check. I opened it up for him to see. He took the check. He handed me the keys, closed them in my hand and said, welcome. Nice. That's a movie right there. I have been in that space ever since. And so back to the contractor, I hired a contractor at the referral of some people that I really believed in. But here's the dig on that. He wasn't afraid of me. He was afraid of them. Okay. Okay. So how he treated me was based on the fact that I was a woman. Mm -hmm. And it was also because he didn't think I was as smart as I was. Now, I, I eventually got what I needed out of him. But it was very, very challenging and it took too much time and it took too much screaming and hollering. So I I told him then, just like I'm going to tell you now, I told him that I would never recommend him for anything. And anytime anybody asked me about the experience, I was going to tell them that you have to be really, really clear and you have to really get go do some some deep referral work on contractors because a lot of them are awful and they Mm. don't keep their word. They take your money um, and they don't follow up as they should. Now, luckily, like I said, I'm a hard charger. I'm not an easy lady. And so I made sure that I got what I needed from him. But it was way too difficult and it was way too long. Sorry to hear that. The Product Boss, hosted by Jacqueline Snyder and Mina kunlo Sisap, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Take your physical product sales and strategy to the next level to create your dream life with hosts Jacqueline Snyder and Mina kunlo Sisap as they deliver a workshop-style strategy hour of social media and marketing strategies so you can up-level as the boss of your business. So I have an episode for you guys to check out. It's called Save Money by 
eliminating excess packaging. If you are someone who is getting ready to create a product and you are thinking of doing all this packaging, you need to listen to this episode. Listen to The Product Boss wherever you get your podcasts. When I started podcasting, I knew I wanted to sell merch. So I started small with one t-shirt. Now I'm selling t-shirts, hoodies, joggers, mugs, you name it. And it's so easy, all because I use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million dollars stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling beauty products or content plans, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point of sale system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hustle pro, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hustle pro now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's shopify.com slash hustle pro. As you are getting started, I know with juice spots, especially you have to, any restaurants, you have to meet codes, right? You have to go out there, find out the codes you need to meet and then do all these things. So did, first of all, this question is twofold. So one, did you look into that before you signed with the former owner of the place to make sure that, hey, I could transform this spot into what I need it to be? And two, was that why it took so long? Because you had to reform it to meet code? So number one, yes, I knew that the place needed to be remodeled because he had been using it as a church kind of. Okay. Um, okay. So it had like platforms and places that I needed a level floor. Um, I needed to put a bathroom in a certain place. And so the design that I wanted had to mm-hmm. change the space. So that's number one. And I told him that I was going to be changing the space. And he was fine. Like I told him, as soon as I put that check in his his hand, he was like, do what you want to do. Um, yeah. And so th- I was really happy about that. Second, the codes. One of the best things about going into business is I had a uh, advisor from New York City. There's an organization called Small Business Services in New York City. Yes. And I was um, given a uh, NYC Best Advisor. Um, okay. That person pretty much held my hand from idea to ribbon cutting on the steps I needed to take in order to get a small business open in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so she arranged for a compliance officer to come visit us at the space. And that person was very clear 
on where yes. things needed to be. And so I worked with my architect um, yes. to make sure that information was in the plans so that uh-huh. any any contractor we hired would know up front mm-hmm. where things needed to be. Very, very smart. And by the way, guys, like Don, you are dropping so many gems. I'm going to do something that I have never done, which is to do a recap of these show notes with all the resources that Don has mentioned. So even if you're not local to New York, you can look at this and say, hey, let me see if they have this in my state or my area, because this is so helpful. So things like SCORE, that's national. Um, and then you mentioned Streetwise MBA. I'm not sure if they're national, yes, but they it are. sounds like they're, it. Okay. International. And then, Yeah, everything else. We'll go back. We'll re-listen to this and we'll put all the links to everything, guys. So make sure to go to sidehustlepro.co slash nourish spot and you will get all this info. All right. Okay. So let's move into opening your doors. And by the way, were you starting to get a little nervous? I mean, you're investing a lot of money. You, like you said, you're retired. The income isn't coming in. So at this point, are you like, itching to make money to start to recoup some of the losses? Yes. Not only was I itching, I was crying. Okay. Because I thought that the build out would only take about six months. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm using all my resources for this. Right. And there's nothing coming in. It's just all going out. And so, yes, every day I was like, oh my God, help me Lord, help me Lord. In fact, I even wrote a prayer in our restaurant. I have an office space, small, yeah. but still an office space. And it has a big, big black on one of the walls. And yes. I would tell you to till this day is yeah. a prayer that I wrote on that wall, asking God to help me um, not only get the store finished and open, but right. also to help me actually meet the goals and objectives that I wanted for the store. Mm-hmm. Um, and that prayer still sits there. So that's what I did. I just prayed myself through and talked yeah. to myself and, you know, in some cases got some people that could talk to the contractor. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, get him, get him, you know, shake him up and get him to do what he <laughs> needed to do. <laughs> yep. 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 I, I can see why that would be necessary. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, look, we got it all mm-hmm. done, and mm-hmm. I open. We opened um, on September 9th, twenty seventeen. We did a nice. big ribbon cutting. We had all the community there, all our elected officials. Because oh one, wow, one thing I didn't say to you mm-hmm. is before I went to work for Prudential, I worked for your college. Um, as a director of public relations, which is like three blocks away from my store and my home. And Ooh, so okay. in that role, I had to interact with all of the elected officials in my neighborhood. And so oh. I had a great relationship with most of the community leaders, including our elected officials. So I was able to open up the store with them there. Um, in fact, the New York City Council president now, Adrian Adams, the speaker, she yes. was there at my opening. Nice. This, this was before she became speaker. She was a city councilwoman, um, but she was in, in fact there campaigning actually at the grand opening. So it was a wonderful day on September yes. 9th, 2017. I was That was one of the proudest days in my life. Mm-hmm. I am so impressed. 
And I mean, this is how you do it, you guys. I hope you're taking notes. This is so awesome, the way you went about this and then having that support from the elected officials coming to the ribbon cutting because like you said, they're then using the the location or they have the location in mind when they have a community event. And so it just continues to be resourced and supported. And I read that you were even in 2019, you were named the, what is that? The Micro Business of the Year by the U.S. That yeah. is amazing. And then, yeah. okay, you are certified as a minority woman business owner or yeah. enterprise, and a woman yeah. business enterprise. Tell us about that process. Why is it so important for you to have all of these certifications and also the DBE? What's that one? Okay, I'll tell you about them all. So, yes, when you know, when now we're starting business and people are coming and whispering in my ear because you know, there are people in your community that want to see you do well, right? Just like there's yes. people that don't, there's lots that do. And right. so, people started whispering in my ear and telling me things that I didn't know. And so, that's yes. what's the most important thing is you have to be open, right? You have to be open mm-hmm. to learning. Like, I think learning is a lifelong journey. And so, um, what my congressman actually Gregory Meeks, he is the one that told me, uh, get certified. There are opportunities out there, but the only way you can take advantage of them is Mm -hmm. if you get certified. So the first certification that we sought was the New York City NWBE. Mm -hmm. And um, all of the certification processes, they are tedious, but necessary, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And once you have all your papers in place, you can pretty much use those papers to get all of the certifications. And so we did the New York City one first. Then we did the New York State one. And then we did this great one that I want to tell people about. So if you have an airport in your community or two, like we do, okay, yeah. in Queens, all right? It's important to get your A-C-D-B-E certification. What's that stand for? <laughs> that stands for Airport Concession A-C, mm-hmm. Disadvantaged Business Enterprise. Okay. All, of that, all of those letters mean you're not a millionaire, right? Um, <laughs> and... and yes. Um, you're not a millionaire and you're looking for opportunities in airports. So Mm -hmm. JFK and LaGuardia together are undergoing like, I don't know, $30 billion renovations over the last couple of years and it's still going on. And so the only way for small businesses like mine to engage in airports is to have that certification. So we went and sought that. And so we have that as well. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but those, that certification has really proved um, valuable um, Mm -hmm. because we are now working with the Hudson group, which is now called Avolta in JFK airport. So wow, um, what does that look like? Is do you mean like working on getting a storefront or working on some kind of fusion opportunity. So there are seven different ways and we will have to do another call for this. Oh, I know. Right guys. Sorry. This is a subtopic, but this is really fascinating to me. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There are seven different ways for a small business to be in an airport, especially Mm -hmm. if you are in the catchment area of the airport. So they have tiers that go along with zip codes, right? So you Mm -hmm. have to be near, near the airport, but, 
for us. We were tapped by Hudson Group, um, yes. which is, you know, Hudson News, like when you're in the when you're in the airport, you go to the yep, Hudson yep. stores. Okay. Well, we were tapped to be an equity partner. So that okay. means now when you go into Terminal 5 and you buy something from a Hudson News, you buy something from me too. Cause what? Get out. <laughs> what? Yeah. See, this is why I'm fascinated by this because I would see it and say, oh, you know, you just have this storefront. Oh, no, 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 no. There's levels oh, to this. Th- yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that, darling. Yes, there are levels to this. Um, because not only are we partnered up with Hudson, so I've, mm-hmm. I've mentioned to you that we've been in business now seven years. Yes. Um, we had to do a bit of pivoting during COVID, right? Because um, a lot of stores closed down and mm-hmm. we weren't allowed to let people come into the store. So we right. had to get some um, handheld POS systems. We had to, you know, As have point a point of sale system. Yes. Yep. We had to have an over-reliance on our food delivery apps, our partners like Grubhub and DoorDash. Mm-hmm. And so luckily we had those things in place before the pandemic hit, but now we had to, you know, really, really work on the marketing and working with right. them to make sure people knew that we were still open and available yes. to nourish them. Right. So we did all of that. And I tell you that we emerged out of COVID stronger than ever. We were tapped by New York City to be a vendor at Forest Hill Stadium, the first place where Arthur Ashe ever played tennis. Um, We were a vendor there first. And we were the first ever Black-owned vendor in that space in 2021. Can you believe that? Amazing. And I know I can't believe that. I'm like, what? But it's the truth. But it's the truth. And I would tell you this. The amazing part of that is when I used to go to work every day, I took the Long Island Railroad and I used Mm -hmm. to pass the Forest Hill Stadium and I didn't really know what it was. And I would tell myself every day, one day I'm going to go in there. I'm going to go check it out. The day we went there, I walked in with my daughter. Okay. And we walked in as owners of the Nourish Spot who were being tapped to be a vendor for New York City's Welcome Back Concerts. So we yeah. did that for two years straight. Okay. That gave me goosebumps, Dawn. Like that really gave me goosebumps because I'm a big believer in God shows you signs, but only in glimpses. And so when stuff comes back around like that, it, it's like, oh, chills. You call it glimpses. I call it breadcrumbs along the way. Girl, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. if we sit tight and we're reflective. Yeah. God has pretty much shown you what your road's going to be. You right. just got to be open-minded right. to see it. Exactly. And so we graduated from there. We graduated yes. from the Forest Hill Stadium into the U.S. Open. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, that made me, I don't know why I feel so emotional. It must be the postpartum hormone because I feel like <laughs> I'm going to tear up. I'm going to tear up. <laughs> no, listen, I cry every day. Oh, I, cry, I cry every day. Every yes. day when I think about what God has done in my life, yes. Um, yes. it's amazing to me, okay? Mm-hmm. And so we graduated to the U.S. Open. We just finished our second residency there as a vendor in 2023. Nice. Nice. This year, we also... Um, provided food and beverage service at City Field. They have what? A, yes, and I want to tell you this story real quick. On January 29th of this year, 2023, mm-hmm. I went to an event. And so if I want to teach anybody anything, show up, get up, dress up, and show up. That's like the beginning of anything. And so 
I'm a member of the Queen's Chamber of Commerce, and I'm also a member of everything, okay? Um, <laughs> I couldn't tell. I, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> I'm a member of everything. Okay? Yes, so yes. the Queen's Chamber of Commerce, in partnership with the Mets, was holding a visioning event at City Field. And so my daughter and I got up to go. Now, her birthday was the day before. She turned 32, and we went that day. And we went because we're a juice bar and, you know, we're always looking for new places to show up, right? And why not the Nourish Spot in City Field, right? Why not give the patrons of the Mets and the other events that they hold there an option, a healthy option, right? So we go to the event and we engage with all the little activations and the questions they're asking of the community about what would you want to see in a revitalized city field area? When we finished that event, we went into this rotunda where they were giving out stadium food, like, you know, pretzels yeah. and hot dogs. So we sat down with all the rest of the people to eat the stadium food. While we were sitting there, these two gentlemen walked in and a TV camera was behind them. Now, what did I tell you I did for 30 years? PR. So whenever I see a TV camera, I'm like, who is that? And why is that <laughs> camera behind them? <laughs> so I've gestured over to the head of the Queen's Chamber of Commerce. His name is Tom Greck. And I said to him, Tom, who's those people? Why they got TV cameras? <laughs> and he said to me, you don't know who that is? And yeah. I said, I don't. I don't know them by face. Maybe if you tell me what their name is, I will know their name. But I may, right. I don't know these people by face. So mm -hmm. he said, well, there's only one you really need to know. And I said, well, who is it? He said, that's Steve Cohen. I couldn't stop <laughs> blinking my eyes. I said, wait. <laughs> Are you talking about Steve Cohen that owns the Mets? Are you talking about Steve Cohen that 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 owns a hedge fund? Are, are you talking about Are you talking about Steve Cohen that is a partner in City Field? And he said, "Yes, Dawn, that's exactly who I'm talking about." And I said, "Sir, I need you to introduce me." And he said, "Follow me." Oh yes. And so, Nick. <laughs> Oh I will gosh. tell you that the end yeah. of this story is I asked Steve Cohen point blank for a picture with me and my daughter and uh -huh. second for a position for the nourish spot at City Field. Wow. And what did he say? Uh, darling, we were there for two months in July and August of this yes. year. Yes. I love it. And so you also now, I would assume, have some kind of a relationship, right? Or, or he knows who you are. Yes. He knows yes. who I am and all of his people know who I am. And so now I'm looking forward to what can happen next year, right? Yes. Because we- Doing have, it even bigger. Yes. Because we, we had the opportunity to be showcased Yes, at the Taste of Queens cart for two mm -hmm. full months and not just for baseball games. We were there for the Burner Boy concert. We were ah. there for the Pink <laughs> concert. We were there for uh, soccer games. Okay. So we got to um, share our brand, right? Yes. With so many new people that had never heard about the Nourish Spot. And I would tell you this, a direct result of that was that people started coming to the Nourish Spot I love or it. using the delivery apps to order from the to Nourish Spot because they now know we exist. Yes.
you know what I love about this? Because, you know, if you're not from New York and you aren't familiar with the boroughs, so, you know, Queens, it's out there. <laughs> well, at least for me, because I'm from uptown, right? It is. And <laughs> so a lot of times when people are thinking of starting a business, they're thinking of, oh, Manhattan or Brooklyn. But you are showing just how divine it can be sometimes to just start where you are. Because who would have thought, look at all these resources and connections you got just by being in Queens, by the airports, close to the Met Stadium. Like all of these things have happened because of location. So don't count your location out. Go find out every opportunity that's available in your location. Exactly. Um, listen, I felt um, comfortable, right? While I was still afraid of, opening my own business, I was comfortable in my community, right? Because I had relationships with so many different types of people and organizations, as well as my children. They also Mm. had relationships. So we could trade upon those relationships in order to make sure people knew what we were doing and how we could be of assistance to them as well. Because Jamaica's a food desert, right? And a lot of people are grappling with um, food insecurity as well Mm -hmm. as a lot of food-related diseases like uh, diabetes and obesity and heart disease and gout. These are all illnesses that can be combated or treated with your diet, right? Yeah, and And the proper nutrients. Right, and so that's why people say health is wealth, because listen, if you're not healthy, all that other stuff doesn't matter, right? You can't take advantage of nothing else. You can't take advantage of nothing else. That's it right there. And look, I want to hit on the financial piece of this, right? So what happened after you opened doors? Were you seeing a good amount of revenue or was it a slow climb? No, it was a very slow climb. And Mm -hmm. um, that's when, because it was such a slow climb, is when I realized I needed to start promoting. I needed to Mm -hmm. trade on my previous experience and make sure the world at large knew that we existed. Right. And not just that the nourish spot existed, but also to tell a couple of different kind of angles of my story. Right. Here I was a 52 year old woman starting in a new business. I'm a person that lost their job. Right. Uh, right. Looking to, for their next act. Um, a community that was a food desert right now providing fresh fruits and vegetables that people can use the, to, you know, create longer, more vital lives, um, the internship program. So I had a lot of different angles, right, that I could right. promote the business. And so that's right. what I did. I got about the job. And look, that's why you were one of my prayers because you were on my list too, okay? Um, I can't believe that. Wow. <laughs> you were. You were. You, you asked Sakita after this is all over when I uh-huh. first asked about you um, because I really realized then that I needed to make sure the world at large knew about us. So I started first with our community papers. Then yes. I started branching out to like radio and podcasts. And then... Um, I started reaching out to international papers. So I'm most yeah. proud of being in the Financial Times. I'm most nice. proud of being in the BBC. Um, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm most proud of being in commercials with Grubhub, right? My daughter and I were in a commercial with Grubhub. I really got about the business of marketing the business because, mm-hmm. you know, this is another saying, you know, I'm good for the saying. If a tree falls in the forest, if you don't see it, would you know? No. So- no. 
I wanted to make sure that people knew the Nourish Spot existed. People knew what the Nourish Spot was existing for and what our why was and how they could help us help them. As someone with your experience in public relations all these years, I also like the fact that you started yourself, you knew you could do it yourself, but you also knew when it was time to bring in more resources because you can't do it all. No, not at all. Even and if you're like, talented in the space, yeah. And then I went and took one more class. <laughs> but this is this was Say the big go. one. This was the Which big one? one. Once I made $75,000, right? Because it took a little while, but once I yeah. hit that number and I made $75,000, I right. reached out and I applied for the Goldman Sachs 10K SB program what? and I got accepted. Honey, mm-hmm. I got yes. accepted. My and friend runs that program. So, you know, Jessica. I love Jessica Taylor. She knows me um, because yes. they have tapped me. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, they have tapped me to be a speaker for the Black in Business program. They, nice. have, they have tapped me to be a vendor at different events. So I tell you, I, I love the Goldman Sachs people. I'm so indebted for that program because yes. not only did I learn a lot, I gained a whole family of entrepreneurs, right? Yes. I, I, it's like more than 14,000 people that have graduated from that program that are considered my brothers and sisters, if you will, that I can yeah. reach out to for guidance, for help, you know, right. to partner with. So right. um, that class, like I, if mm-hmm. I recommended all the other ones, I yeah. definitely recommend the Goldman Sachs 10K SB program because it has set me up for life. So I'm glad you mentioned that one too, because sometimes, and you guys know I wrestle with this on this show, because sometimes these classes or the resources or programs, I'm thinking, man, they really need to give businesses more money. But it's not just money that you need on this journey. Those connections, it is kind of, it's like going to business school. Like the majority of us, the main thing we come out with is that network that we can tap into at any time. So something like a Goldman Sachs small business program like that right there is something really good to tap into if you can and if you're able to and if you get in. Grants helped us too. So yes, we, I was going to ask you about that. So tell us about, I know you got Beyonce and Anastasia, right? Yes. That was the first big one. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what's funny is when I first started the business, I was running around asking everybody about grant money. I'm like, where's the grants? Right. Cause I, you know, I was low, I was low to spend my money. Right. So I'm like, yeah. if there's grant money, I'm going to ask, but there was none available. But you wow. know, how God works. I mean, COVID was horrible, right? We lost lots of people to COVID, right? But in terms of what it did for a small black owned business like mine, first, it made sure that more people knew about us, right? Because every doctor and medical professional were telling people to eat healthy. So they sent people to our door. So that's number one. But also it made people want to help, right? It made corporations want to help. And so I applied for using my PR background, writing great narratives, right? Um, I applied for every grant that we were remotely applicable for, okay? You know, say if they had five things and I only had four, I still applied, okay? And we got them, we pretty much got every grant that we applied for. So I just recently saw a story in a paper about some girl that got $200,000 in grants. Uh, So did I. (laughs) You're like, no big deal. No. (laughs) 
And what did you use the grant investment to do? How did it impact oh, your business? So the ones that we got in the initial of COVID, you know, I helped to keep people on staff because some of the yeah. some of the grant money was to keep people working, even though revenue wasn't as great, right? So okay. to keep the lights on, you know, and to make sure that my staff had what they needed. Um, some little bonuses for my staff as well, because, okay. you know, they were young people and I just felt like they, you know, they needed a little bit more because a lot of them lost their uh, graduation because mm. of COVID. And so I'm trying to keep them upbeat so that I yeah. did that with it. We got a $25,000 Wells Fargo grant right before we were going into the U.S. Open the first time. So I was wow. able to use that money to get ready for the U.S. Open because with the U.S. Open, we are responsible to bring everything. Right. Our staff, the yes. food, the cups, the bowls, the everything. And so um, that money came right on time for us to be able to be ready to go be a vendor and excel um, at the U.S. Open. Um, so that's Amazing. how I use the money. We use okay. the money to, to build capacity. So what are some of the top ones that you can name since we're sharing? Again, you guys, we're sharing all of the show notes from Dawn. Um, you'll be able to go over to sidehustlepro.co slash nourish spots, and we will send this recap to you. So what are some of the top ones that are still available each year? Do you know? You know, if you're a female entrepreneur, go on to Hello yes. Alice, sign up because they always have grants there. Okay. okay and great. then you can apply. Yes. So that's number one. Number two is just go on Google and type grants, right? You know? <laughs> right? Um, and they'll just yeah. come up. And then you have yeah. to take the time to research them to figure out if one or two are good for you. And then you apply right. to them, right? Right. Um, we got the uh, NAACP Bay Good grant. And she put us on a black parade. I tell you, I love that Beyonce. Um, <laughs> so we got that. We got the grant from Anastasia um, Swore, um, which mm -hmm. I thought was wonderful. Here she is, a Romanian woman. Okay. She saw herself in black female entrepreneurs that were trying hard and not able to get the money that they needed from usual and regular banks and lending institutions. And so she picked like six of us or nine of us and gave us all this money. Oh. Wow. I never you. knew that Anastasia had one. That's awesome. Yes. And I would tell you, we did it just like this. She came online and um, they invited, like, I guess all of us winners. And so she came online and she's like, hi, Dawn. I'm like, hi. <laughs> and I tell you, I thought I was going to be winning, I think, 50000 or something like that. And this woman told me she was giving us $62,000. I damn near fell out of my chair. Okay. I thought I, because I'm like, this is the time that we need it. We're in a crunch because, you know, some people didn't have jobs. And so another thing I use the money for is I worked with one of my area um, nonprofits. It's called mm -hmm. CMP Partnership. And yes. they were giving away coats to kids, right? So yeah. what we did, we used some of the money and every kid that got a coat got a coupon from us to come get food and smoothies. Ah. And so that's how we use the money. We use the money okay. to make sure that we were helping our staff, yes. helping our business and helping our business through helping the community. Got it. And speaking of money, um, the restaurant space, the you know food and beverage space, there's always a delicate dance when it comes to margins, I'm sure, because especially when you're in a community and that might be low income, there's only so much you can charge, but then you have a labor intensive and price 
variability with your ingredients. So how do you manage so that you're still profiting and the margins are as high as you can get them? Well, how we do that is we layer it, right? So there's one way you do business with us. You do business with us as an individual. You walk in, you buy something. But Mm -hmm. I would tell you how we make our real money is with caters. Uh, And so we cater to big companies, Bloomberg, Nike, WPP. Yes, you got it all figured out. Yeah, MasterCard. We've catered in the World Trade Center. So that's how we are kind of like managing inflation, right? We look for ways in which to showcase ourselves in different places. Look, I would tell you, case in point, today I'm conducting this podcast with you at Northwell Health um, because they hired us early this morning to bring Mm -hmm. in breakfast for an event. And not only did they hire us to bring in breakfast for the event, they gave me an opportunity to address the crowd. Okay. What? So okay. now there are about 80 more people from across mm-hmm. New York City and New York State that are aware mm-hmm. of the Nourish Spot. And I would tell you that I already have three new clients as a result of being here. Dawn, you are brilliant. You are brilliant. You're talented. You are amazing. And this is why I love doing these interviews because I never would have thought that you were doing all this. <laughs> You know, I thought, oh, she has a storefront juice bar. Okay. <laughs> like, that's that's amazing. But I'm wondering, like, you know, what's it looking like on the financial side? So you have completely blown me away, like, beyond Thank what you. I could have imagined. And I hope that this, you know, just shows you guys all the opportunities are beyond what's seen at face value when it comes to business many times that you have to put your creative hat on and sometimes go into these programs too, like, you know, 10,000 small business and things like that. What I like about those programs is when you get in your business and have your blind spots on, someone else would be like, well, have you thought about this? And they'll be coming from a knowledgeable space, not just a, you know, how sometimes your friends and family be like, why don't you? (laughs) And they have no idea how your business works or how things run. No, these are knowledgeable people. (laughs) So Dawn, let's jump into the lightning round. You just answered the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Okay. What's a resource? Not Google. That has helped you in your business. Chat GPT. Oh, you're right. You're right about that. Um, okay. Who is a black woman entrepreneur, non-celebrity, who you would want to switch places with for a day and why? Okay. So you put that non-celebrity part I in there. I have to. I have to. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say Miko Branch that owns Miss mm. Jessie's. Yes. Okay. And Why? Because she's been in business for a long time and this is not her first business. She was in business before. Um, And so she has a wealth of knowledge about, you know, staffing, about distribution. And those are things like I'm looking, you know, the next step for us is to have a CPG product, right? Either I'll see our dressings in stores or see Mm. our smoothies and juices and bottles in stores. So um, I would love to switch places with a black female entrepreneur that has a CPG product. Okay. Um, number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day these days? Prayer. Mm. Every morning. I feel that every morning. 
Hey friends, so sorry, but we lost the rest of the audio for Dawn's lightning round. But you can find her online over at the Nourish Spot on Instagram, as well as the dash nourish dash spot dot myshopify.com. And we will link to all of those in the show notes. It was an absolute pleasure having Dawn in the guest chair. I learned so much. I think she is so dynamic and incredible. And if you are in Queens or New York, be sure to head over to 10705 Guyar Brewer in Jamaica, Queens to check out the Nourish Spot in person. And with that, I will talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.